Good afternoon, everyone. This is another Emerging Tech Podcast from Mad4 Digital. My name is Donovan White, and today I have the pleasure of sharing the mic with Charlotte Coswell, CEO of Innovate Finance. Welcome, Charlotte. Thank you. Charlotte, I think what I'd like to start with is if you could just give everyone a bit of an insight into Innovate Finance. What do you do? What are you trying to achieve? And just give us a flavor for what Innovate Finance are about. Thanks, Jonathan. Um, so Innovate Finance is a membership association. Um, other people would call that an industry body. And it's there to represent UK fintech. That doesn't just mean we have UK members there, but it looks constantly at the UK fintech ecosystem, whether that's startup fintech companies, growth, scale-up companies, but also the financial institutions who are bringing innovation into financial services, and then looking at the evolving role of big tech you coming into financial services as well. So if you think financial services innovation through tech, you think of Innovate Finance, uh, we have approximately 250 members um, split between about 200 fintech members and 50 larger financial or professional institutions uh, sitting around our membership table. And it's there to sit and collate those voices and look at the growth of the sector and work that through. So that's the first pillar of what we do. Sure. You, sure. A lot of people also you know, look to us as being the voice of the fintech sector. You know, we are fortunate because we talk to fintech companies every week, we talk to the investors in fintech. We talk to the banks, you know, looking at their own innovation programs and the professional services firms, you uh, representing them. You know, it's really important that we we distill that and look at that and share that back into industry, but also share it into government or into regulators and, you know, our connections overseas to constantly look at how the market is evolving. Okay. And and just, you mentioned government just a moment then. I'd be interested to know, you know, how does the government support you and, and how does having the government as part of your ecosystem support the sector? And it's important to understand that you, a, lot of, a lot of the fintech groups that have been set up have been set up by government to look at this. We're independent to them um, and most industry bodies would have something independent to government and that's, you know, that's a good thing because then you're able to look at it objectively and sometimes you have to lobby and sometimes you provide data, sometimes you provide research. And also sometimes we respond to requests they have on what they're looking to understand from the sector. Um, so you, most of the departments we interact with on a day-to-day basis would be Treasury and DIT, the Department for International Trade. And that's Treasury, they own the fintech sector and such. Um, and so you know, they want to understand it, they want to look at understanding the role of fintech and how that's evolving. Uh, so they, you know, they would ask us you know, to look at particular projects and we would understand whether we can do that or not. But we also want to feed data into them, investment data, sector data within, sure. you know, within the different fintechs. And you know, how successful we have all been in bringing competition and innovation into financial services post-financial crisis. Absolutely. So that's really important. From a DIT perspective, you know, they're there to look at inward investment, but also to help companies on their journey overseas as they expand. So then we look look to them to support you know, on the ground in overseas markets. They have signed something called FinTech Bridges at Treasury that then you know, DIT is there to operationalize and make them successful. And what that means is that FinTech companies potentially have an easier way of expanding when they land in market. So we have that support for them. Sure, you know, sure. That's quite unique to the UK. Yeah. You know, most overseas markets who've uh, supported their fintech hubs have been much more around the fintech ecosystem themselves, fintech associations, all the banks, all government, all regulators. The UK, what we've done is you know, post-financial crisis, there was teams set up at the regulator, at the FCA, to look at competition and strategy. Uh, they had something called Project Innovate. You know, they created the first regulatory sandbox globally. It's been copied, you know, 
um, yeah, all over the world. Point. And you know, and then you have the regulators sitting around the table at the same time as government sitting around the table, as well as the fintechs, as well as the banks. Sure. So that's you know the role for Innovate Finance as an industry body is to bring that all together yes. and making sure we're the ones in the middle, making sure you know, that everything is connected. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now I know that forty-two percent of the fintech workforce is actually from overseas. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't want to get into a Brexit conversation, <laughs> but what, what's the likely impact of you know of, of that with the impending No Deal? And 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 just I just want to get your 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 take on it really. And what's Innovate Finances? plans and strategy to support whatever comes out of that the quest for talent globally in tech and fintech and innovation is it's a global issue yeah. uh yeah. and this was a problem way before brexit as well sure you know yeah. has brexit exacerbated some of that in the short term i think yes. it's likely yeah um i think a lot of people have focused on the immigration issues and the need for more visas that's a conversation that's been had within the banks within the fintech companies within tech companies you do we have the right skill set from homegrown talent or have we, you know, maybe relied a bit too much on overseas talent coming in? And so the general concern from across the market is if we just stop it dead, you know, the impact's going to be quite significant. So it is about finding the right talent. It is about, again, feeding back into why fintech is different, you know, to those other sectors I mentioned, but also to look at the impact of that being a global race. Yeah. So when we talk about 42% of, um, as you say, the four fintech workers being from overseas, and that's 28% EU and 14% non-EU, so quite a significant amount coming from the European Union. In the US, 40% of tech in the West Coast is also from non-Americans. Right. Um, So people are able to move across Mm. the world, so you could say the same worker that we're trying to attract here can also go and work in Asia, can also go and work on the West Coast. And everybody cites it as the main problem. Yeah, you know, we've got to make it as attractive as possible. That's right. So it's for us to sit there and say, look at this great sector. Why do you want to come and work here? Why do you want to study here? Yes. Stay here, use the startup visa, use the entrepreneur visa, you know, and then you know, the post-study work visa to get your next role. Uh, you know, we have the advantage that we have some amazing universities here. And, you know, again, they're looking at things like the fintech sector and the tech sector to say, you know, how do we get students into that? Yes. So it is about inspiring those universities to say, this is a sector you want to stay and yes. you want to work in. But we must, mustn't forget that we have also got to look at our homegrown talent. Yes. And you know, yeah. we've just still we've just seen the A-level results where girls for the first time have overtaken yeah. boys That's and right. taken science subjects. That's right. Um, yeah. So well done, girls. You know, fantastic. You know, great something. News. You know, the message is getting through. Yes. Um, but it is, you know, that's really important that we, we look at that and we don't just rely on you know, boys that we used to maybe to come into the science subjects because yes. if it is a global race for talent, and we know everybody's going to have digital skills you know, yes. needs in the, in the future. You know, 90% of jobs created today are going to need digital skills. Uh, you know, it's really important that we inspire all, all kids to be okay. looking at this, and, and, university uh, students, etc. Absolutely. And, and just on that point, Charlotte, what the FinTech for Schools project that you started, mm. can you just give us a little flavour of how, because that's obviously about building the pipeline, isn't that's it? Right. Getting yeah. people interested as early as possible in technology, math, science, all of those yeah. things that we're talking about. So tell us a little bit about the yeah. FinTech for Schools project. So for me, this started looking at saying we have to look at the five to ten year cycle now you could argue that some people coming into fintech may not want to go to university yeah. you know we're not saying we're encouraging people to come straight into the world of work they may decide to use an apprenticeship so we felt that if we just went to you know to university we were going to potentially miss that whole pipeline and potentially decisions have been made by the time they've chosen their subjects sure. as well sure. so it is important that we show 
not just the children, but also the teachers, that there is this changing way of working. There is a change in desire from industry of what you know, they're looking for. Um, so FinTech for Schools is a program that's aimed at 14 to 18-year-olds. So you know, bear in mind, they've made their GCSE decision by then. We could go younger, but we, you know, we've, got to be, yeah. we've got to be realistic on what we can achieve in the short term. So they've made, they, they've made their, their subject decisions at GCSE, but they don't really probably know what they're going to do with them. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's looking at that and saying, here is a sector that's going to give you innovation, it's going to give you entrepreneurism, opportunities for the future. And then, you know, as they make maybe those university decisions or decide not to go to university, they know that there is that skill set needed. So we think that that is the right age group to start the program. Right. You know, we know decisions are made by the age of nine and ten, yes. um, but we have to be realistic on how we can get you know, the program really going. And you're know, really, really excited about that when we've been into schools so far and talked about fintech they don't really understand what fintech is um they don't really understand what a challenge bank is yes so what we're also doing is is using that program to educate them on how they're going to use fintech because every one of them as i tell them is using fintech already absolutely and they look at me and say well of course i'm not using fintech i've never heard of it I'm like well <laughs> do you use yeah, do you use, yeah exactly you <laughs> might use monzo you might use starling but also you know perhaps you use an oyster card Yes. An Oyster card is a version of fintech. Contactless payment is a version of fintech. Yes. Refinancing your student debt is definitely a version of fintech. fintech. Yes. You're getting your SME loans, maybe from a bank that doesn't provide them anymore. You know, that is you know, right in the sweet spot. Sure. And as you come to your first mortgage, perhaps there's an opportunity for you to get that earlier through a fintech provider. So we definitely want to get to people you know, at that age before they start making maybe their first bank decision. Yes. Um, now, interestingly, you know, some of the people we're working with on that you know, are the banks themselves because they want to show that they're not the bank of the past. They want to show that they are you know, opportunities for digital banks. So you know, we've been very clear that we want to tie into their programs as well and use their great networks they have to talk about the changing face of financial services, whether yes. that's, as I said, the smallest startup to the largest bank. Sure. So, yeah, great program and, you know, just have an amazing reception on that. So, really oh, excited to blow that out. That's fantastic news. Just very quickly, um, fantastic you're doing a program, interesting, but I just wonder if you can tell us a little bit about how much diversity and inclusion is part of that program. That, so, that's one of the reasons for doing it. Right. Um, so, that will run through the heart of the program. Great. Um, so, for me, as I say to, as I say to you know, maybe some more seasoned you know, banking professionals, it's very rare your end customer is white middle-aged men. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, your end consumer is completely diverse. Yes. And absolutely. therefore, your teams have to be completely diverse. Yeah. You, we talk a lot around social mobility and fintech. Again, when you look at who might be using fintech, you know, there are people using payday lenders in yeah. this country, and yeah. there's a lot. Yeah. There's 12 million people have less than 100 pounds in their savings account. Yeah. So actually, when we look at who the users of fintech is going to be, it's going to be, be very diverse. Yes. Absolutely. Um, you know, most kids at two years old now can operate a smartphone doesn't matter what your yeah. background is yes. they will have access to a smartphone they can use it so how do we harness that power of technology that they have at such an early age yeah. and say well how do we get that in those tech skills yes into coding into computer science into engineering but generally just sitting out thinking about starting it starting a company or starting yeah. a business all manner of schools yeah. um and look at it and say that this is where the opportunity is yes. and you may not have thought of this as a career choice but look at the power, look at the purpose that you know, the sector has yeah. and what an impact, you know, an impact you can have. Your report, actually, I was, I was surprised to hear that, you know, a talent acquisition is actually a bigger challenge than raising funds, yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is really surprising. So, it is. And, you know, I think, you know, great businesses have great funding. Yes. You know, what we try to do here is, is assist them through that cycle, you know, from 
being maybe the startup entrepreneur who does come out of you know, school or university and wants to start a company, yeah. and what better opportunity to have that? You know, they're not going to have the Rolodex you know, investor contacts that maybe someone coming out of banking you know, in their mid-40s is going to yeah. have. So it is important that we help you know, and educate on that journey. Yes. And we often have speed dating events where we bring venture capital firms in or maybe even angel investors in to meet some of these early-stage companies to introduce them to that. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's, that's really important. That is the role of an industry association that's helping a growth sector. So I think the funding is out there as I'm always told yes. but sometimes just finding it and navigating it or being ready to do your first pitch for it is more challenging sure. um, and that's why I think you see that the talent potentially isn't out there Yes. Um, or if it is there it may not be where the fintech companies are yeah. you know, a lot of fintech companies have migrated to London even if they've started from you know across the UK and you, it's a bit of a talent bubble in yeah. London so again you have to look at that and say well how do we build those links? How do you have another office maybe in outside of London? Yeah. How do you start your business and stay there? Yes. You know, we've been doing quite a lot of work this year across the country, Manchester, Leeds, Bristol, Edinburgh, Cardiff. You know, those all have fintech hubs of some description. Yeah. Uh, so wouldn't it be great if we see companies coming out of universities, perhaps, which we saw in tech you know, from Cambridge back in the 90s, yeah. and staying there? not feeling they have to move here because guess what the talent pool is probably more available there yes. than it is in London where everybody's trying to hire effectively the same person yes and most of the big organisations are in London Mopping and they up. are going to mop up the salary they do yeah so, and they put you know and they bring the salaries up etc mm-hmm. so it's been very interesting as we've you know rolled out the programme across the UK we've signed something called the FinTech National Network and that again is about connecting up that ecosystem talent to FinTech FinTech to bank or FinTech to building society and also looking at you know when you look at the fintech companies and the issues they're facing outside of London, quite different to yes. what you're facing in London. When you look at the solutions they've brought in, probably different solutions because, you know, London-based fintech might solve London-based financial services problems. Yes. So again, you know, back to our diversity issues, you it's really important that we look at, you know, our areas that are quite poor outside of London right. where, you know, that fintech company might have seen that firsthand. It's so solve it there. So why would we want them moving to London, you yes. know, and, and feeling the need for capital and talent here? Yeah, that's a very good point. And, and, and just thinking, we're, we're always talking about the big enterprise companies and the big enterprise, you know, financial institutions. But, you know, a, a, a small fintech company between, I don't know, three or four employees up to maybe 25 or 30 employees, what advice would you give them to try and support competing in the skills gap area with regard to some of these bigger institutions? I think it's a really good question. And we talk a lot to consultancies and say, well, how can we almost use their buying power? Yes. When they're going out on their grad program and you go and do the milk rounds and sit there, you know, why would someone join an unknown fintech company yeah. when they've got, you know, EY or Deloitte yes. or KPNG yes. sitting there knocking on their door? It's yeah. tough. And again, that comes back to the education of what some of these fintech companies are doing. Yes. But you know, when we talked about challenger banks, you know, we also see that others have been quite smart on that. So Starling, which sits mm-hmm. in our building, has just opened an office in Southampton. They're putting 200 people in Southampton. They've talked to Southampton University, who's got a great program, you know, and uh, down there to try to attract that talent. So they've gone about it in a different way to almost yes. find their niche. Yes. Uh, and we, we're starting to see that in hubs around the UK. Yeah. Is they're much more targeted, and maybe giving them the opportunity to stay there, and then perhaps that is more attractive than moving to London. Yeah. Uh, work-life balance. It's not. It's not a cheap city to live in. Sure. Um, sure. So I think you you, you have to you have to look at it in a different way and look at a yes. different solution and how do you sell yourself and how do you do your, you know, we've seen more TV adverts now coming in from fintech companies. People oh, are starting cool. to get, you know, understand yeah. these names. Yeah. I always get, you know, very excited when I sit on the tube and I see adverts coming in from some of our members and I thought yes. we end up, you know, constantly snapping photos and putting it out, you know, and, uh, and I think that's great. 
it's yes. fantastic yes. that these these companies will you know start to get their profile and then do it and then guess what you know you then have the opportunity to maybe do you know we're thinking about doing this next year is looking at fintech roadshows or looking at fintech open house so yeah. students can understand what this new sector is yes. and look at some of the opportunities yeah. but also when you're coming out of you know, school or university how you can make a difference yes. and this is where millennials do focus on now is what's the social purpose yes, yes, and you yes. could argue that they're going to have a bigger impact you know joining that company than maybe joining the big consultancies Absolutely. and they can still be attractive to big consultancies in the future yes. so they can go yeah they can go both ways yeah no it's a good point very very good point so what's your what's your personal personal um i suppose goal and and you know what, what are you trying to get personally out of this and oh, what it, yeah. I, I suppose the better question is what does success look like for charlotte oh, um so uh you know, it's really interesting when I took this job, I took it on an interim basis for six months. And that's going to be interesting. I'm going to get in touch with fintech companies. I'm going to, you know, I'm a big passion sort of trying to influence government. This was yeah. definitely post-Brexit time. And I thought, what a fascinating job for six months. You know, six months became 12 months. And then I eventually I signed. So it becomes a bit addictive. You know, and when I talk about the voice of the fintech sector, you, I might talk to a non-member as well as a member just as much. Yes. Because I'm trying to understand that. You, But yes, I would love to have you know, the whole ecosystem around our membership table and whatever guys. You would do have a huge diversity program. We focus that, focus that initially more on gender diversity on the particular piece of that. Or yes. the schools program is looking at all diversity. And again, helping female founders get funding really, yes. really important because you know, some of the bias against them is quite significant. So for me, it's constantly, maybe this is where I came from, you know, it's constantly about wanting to make the difference. Right. You know, I want to look back, and I always say this to, to my daughter, you know, I want to look back and go, yeah, I did that and I made a difference. So maybe I help fintech companies grow. Maybe I help them scale overseas. Maybe I could sit there, oh, God forbid, you know, I could actually get investment numbers into female founders above 3%. Yeah. Yes. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Yeah. And you know, and look at that. But also start to profile some of these great companies there. You, I am you know, personally very excited about the Fintech for Schools program yeah. because I think it's really important that we help you know, kids around the country you're not just look at jobs, but looking in a different way and get them prepared for this new way of work. Yeah. They're going to need tech skills. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, you know, so it has to have things where you can make an impact. And you, know, we're we're limited in the amount of people, so we constantly look at things where we have the maximum impact and the maximum impact for our members, but also looking at maximum impact for the sector Great. as well. Fantastic. So yeah, so not not ambitious at all. <laughs> <laughs> and finally. Um, why should someone want to be why should someone be a member who, who should be a member and why, why, why should they be a member the thing I love about our members and our membership you know, initiative is that it's it can suit everybody you know, so when we talk to the largest bank round the board table and talk about their innovation programme and how they've looked at that from a cultural perspective, from a, maybe from a diversity perspective, and how that's going to drive through innovation in their company, that's just as valuable to them, I've discovered, yes. as the smallest company who might be for five person and say, well, how do I even meet the investors? How do I meet other CEOs? So it's a lonely journey as, yeah. a, as a founder and connecting them up. Yeah, and that's the great thing about it. So you we spend just as much time with our small fintech members and they, they're great at coming to our events and really taking advantage of them. You know, I think in September I've been told we've got 10, 10 events for members. Wow, um, You know, a couple of those diversity, one's on Brexit, you know, advice and helping them through navigate that. You know, another one's on connecting them up with the investors another one's just connecting them to other other founders um, or other CFOs. You know, so it's about finding the matrix of how we help all parts of our membership, whether it's the CEOs, whether it's the heads of PR who are trying to amplify the message, you know, whether it's the head of policy who's trying to influence government but can't possibly do it on their own because they're just one company, but also for some of the junior people as well and supporting them. And that, you know, that's really important. 
So we, that's what we try to get right, is looking at that and saying, are we servicing that? And you generally have great feedback from our members. We provide more things to them than they can possibly take advantage of because they're growing companies. But you know, we constantly look at that and, and get them around the board table and say, yep, are we getting it right? Are we getting it wrong? What do we focus on? And hopefully we'll, we'll get it right. Thank you very much. Thank you. This has been another Emerging Tech Talk with me, Donovan White. If you'd like to share the mic, please email me at info at mad4digital.com. Looking forward to sharing the mic with another Emerging Tech expert next week. In the meantime, have a fantastic week.